0: Hello listeners, and welcome to episode two of our festival podcast or HIPCAST for short. We are in the thick of preparations for our 13th edition, which runs from the 22nd to the 26th of March, 2023. And we wanted to dedicate our episodes ahead of the festival to the packed programme we're all working so hard to prepare This episode it's also an opportunity to hear from the individuals that help make it happen behind the scenes and to shine a little bit of the spotlight on each of the wonderful members of our festival crew. Hitfest online coordinator and social media officer Christina Weber, the podcast operator, as it were, will be asking each team member to introduce themselves and then to chat a little bit about what they're most excited about in our upcoming programme. We hope that this will help to bring some of our silent titles to life for you ahead of the festival, and to give you a little peek behind the curtain at the wonderful, wonderful people who help make Hitfest happen. But some of my own program picks—I mean, it's always really difficult because when people ask you, you know, what's what's your what you're most excited about, or because obviously every single thing in the program is carefully and lovingly chosen and is a real prize treasure really as, as far as I'm concerned. So it, for me it's particularly funny because um, obviously I've seen all the films sometimes I've just seen them on my laptop at home without any music or anything so uh, as well as looking forward to sharing the films with people for the first time I'm looking forward to experiencing them for the first time often with really with great music so for example, Volcalic Passions, the Chinese film that we're showing in partnership with the Confucius Institute, you know, really excited to share that film. That seems to have been barely screened um, since it was since it was made, you know, nearly a hundred years ago. But we're gonna be I'm gonna be seeing it for the first time with music by John Sweeney, who's gonna bring it to life and, and it's just gonna be a new experience for me. And that's one of the real joys and privileges of working on the festival I think one thing that I'd really like to draw attention to is the event that we've got on Thursday the 23rd of March at 3 15 it's called the accidental anthropologist Benjamin T Galt and I was fortunate enough to see this program in an earlier form when I attended the San Francisco silent film festival um last year and it's it's a just I've always have a particular affection and warmth for actuality footage I suppose I I never get tired of, of films in the archive of faces and people and going around their ordinary lives but this one this particular collection is particularly magical and the person who's introducing it, coming all the way from San Francisco, Kathy Rose Regan, she has overseen the restoration of this footage, but and she she will be introducing it and not only talking about the the work involved with the restoration and how these these wonderful films um, came to be rediscovered, but just really giving us an insight into their significance. And I think what what really struck me when I first saw the collection was that. Really, there isn't any footage going back to 1925, 1926 of, of a violin, of Irish, the Irish people and their way of life, and so it, it's just particularly special to be able to see these films. And of course, when I saw the films in San Francisco, they were accompanied live by Gunter Buchfeld on violin, and he will be accompanying them again with us, and. Again, the, another exciting thing about this event is that it's going to be live streamed from the Hippodrome. So anybody that isn't able to join us in the venue can uh, tune into the live stream. Um, and I think, I think the other I, another one that I'd like to that's particularly personally precious to me is the Newfound Sound event. And it's people who've been coming to Hipfest for a while will know that it's an annual. Project of Ours, where we work with young people uh, from schools across the Falkirk district, and pair them with with films from the National Library of Scotland Moving Image Archive. And each year, it's just a complete revelation to me how the, the young people manage to to grasp the, the the very particular skill of accompanying silent film and composing for silent film and and also how much they engage with the with the films themselves because a lot of young people haven't come across silent film before. But, you know, when they're really getting stuck in with the, the tutors that we pair them with and the mentors and the musicians who are working with them and they really get stuck into the films and just draw, make the films come alive with their music, really. And um, it's three films that we're showing this year with music composed by the young people so there's the senior trad band who are working on a film called Basgo gets to work and the uh, junior trad band who are working on a film called summer in scotland and then musicians from various schools who have been mentored by jane gardner a wonderful silent film composer They're working on a film called Camera Makes Whoopi, And this is a particularly interesting film. It's directed by Norman McLaren, um, who is a celebrated name in filmmaking, but um, also who worked on the film was Helen Bigger, along with Violet Anderson and William McLean. And Helen Bigger is one of those unsung early filmmakers, um, uh, female early filmmakers. And another thing to that's interesting, I think, is that Helen Bigger is part of um, an exhibition that's on at the moment in Edinburgh called Glean about early women photographers and filmmakers in Scotland. And that's something else that we're doing. We're doing a little trip to um, hear from the curator of that exhibition and Helen Bigger features in that. So anyway, it all comes together. It all makes, all makes sense. But um, anyway, I do urge people, if you haven't been to Newfound Sound before, or if you have, you'll know that it's it's the hot ticket of the festival. But if you haven't been, do give it a shot because it's a wonderful way for these films from the National Library of Scotland Moving Image Archive to come to life. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Now I'm going to hand over to Christina and the team. And until next time, listeners,
1: take care. And I really hope that we're going to be seeing you soon. Hi, everyone. My name is Christina and I am the Hip Fest Online Coordinator and Social Media Officer. What that basically means is if you have replied to one of our tweets or commented on a Facebook post or in our Facebook group, it's more than likely me that was the one that responded. It also means if you've tuned into any of our Hip Fest at Home events or the pre-festival program that's running at the moment, it was me that did all of the technical boring bits like um, adding the captions and editing all the clips in and those bits and pieces. So. Um, I've been working with HipFest since 2019, late 2019, so I have actually only attended one in-person festival, which was last year, and I'm so excited um, for another one this year, and I can't wait to be back in Bowness for five days of non-stop popcorn. The Hippodrome does have the best popcorn in Scotland, I would say, completely wholeheartedly, I believe that, from the core of my being. Um... (laughs) But popcorn aside, I am also super excited about the programme this year. So anyway, I'm going to keep this really brief because you'll hear from me throughout the podcast and I don't want you to get sick of my voice. Um, But essentially, I am really, really excited about His Majesty the Barber. That's my programme pick. I was fortunate enough last year to go to the Pordenone Silent Film Festival in Italy. Um, or Le Gionnate del Cinema Muto, in my terrible, not in any way Italian accent. Uh, and this film was screening at the festival, and for whatever reason, and I can't remember why, I think I had to catch up on emails or had a work call or something equally, um, you know, miserable, um, I missed the screening at Porginoni, and it, I think it was like the only film that I missed, the only feature film that I missed, because I was really determined to see as much as I could while I was there, and I remember afterwards, Room was saying how extraordinary this film was, and how incredible it was, and how it was so hilariously funny, and just a complete joy to watch, and I just felt uh, gutted, <laughs> I was gutted. <laughs> That I'd missed, you know, such a top pick. So I'm um, I'm really pleased that Ali's programmed this as part of Hitfest 2023 because it means that I get offered a second chance to see it. So I'm really grateful. Um, and yeah, if you go and look at the stills on the website, they're gorgeous. The yeah, you can just see immediately how beautiful it is. Everyone in it looks beautiful as well. I think it's going to be a gem. And then I think it would be. Uh, Remiss of me to not mention how excited I am about our live stream and online strand this year. Um, Obviously I'm biased because that's my jam, but um, it's our most ambitious live stream program to date. We are streaming two talks and one full feature film. And it's the opening night, which is quite nice because we can welcome everyone in, you know, for the opening. And we've tried to pick events that have some kind of international resonance so you know i think everything does but but the ones that we've picked we really can see a clear reason and a clear audience tuning in from from other places around the world so yeah we're really i'm really delighted to to have um those live streams coming up so we're streaming the talk all faces are masks The opening night featured The Bluebird, which is directed by Maurice Turner. And we've got a fantastic pre-festival talk by Christine Latour as well, which premiered last week. Those two are really beautifully connected, which is nice. And then we're also, and I'm really excited about this one, we're streaming the Galt collection, the event is called The Accidental Anthropologist, as Ali's already mentioned, and I love that that's being streamed because it means the audiences in Ireland can tune in and get to see that footage, that rare footage, so that's incredible. I realised I said I'd be brief and I, my computer's telling me I've been talking for seven minutes, uh, so I'll cut this down now and let's hand over to the rest of the team.
2: Hi, my name's Nell and I'm the engagement and development officer for HipFest this year. I'm new on the team, so this will be my first festival, but I've worked before in a lot of community-engaged curating. So this was my first time working with silent film, but maybe not my first time working with archival film, um, and it's really exciting. It's kind of a challenge sometimes to connect people with early cinema, but I kind of find that quite nice to have as an anchor point to create a program around because it's something that is very very um clear-cut in terms of a challenge and um i've been developing kind of schools activities for the festival workshop i've been developing kind of schools activities for the festival workshops some animation workshops some animation workshops which will be really exciting and hopefully we'll make our own film Um, and I will also be leading on the New Film Sound Project, which is the um, amazing project where local school-age musicians compose and perform scores for their for some films that I've selected from the National Library of Scotland's Moving Image Archive, and and many other great initiatives. You'll have to wait and see. <laughs>
1: I'm intrigued just quickly before I ask you the main question. Why do you think it's difficult or perhaps more challenging to attract new audiences to come and see silent films or archive films? And what do you think is the most effective way of trying to sidestep that?
2: I mean, I think it's a strange one because I think it's so easy for audiences to be persuaded to try something new that's new, <laughs> that's contemporary. But I think it's just really kind of. I think the way to engage people with it, with silent film or archival film, is to kind of really lean on that message that it, even though it's it's archival or it's from the past, it is something new, um, and you know whether that's whether it was during the time it was something that was quite groundbreaking and it's interesting to see from a sort of historical perspective why that was so groundbreaking and culturally significant um, or whether that's just like it's something that you will never have seen before and that there are so many, you know, it's not a genre. There are so many different genres of early films. I think Ali does a really good job of this in the programme. It's kind of tweaking out each of those different, genres of silent film, different types of film that everybody will have their preference for what kind of film they like whether that's like Marvel or documentary and there's kind of a taste of everything of that in the program so you can kind of pull on those kind of links to contemporary tastes because people do like to cultivate what they enjoy doing so to be able to kind of I guess maybe draw links between what people enjoy today And um, what these films are doing, or were doing at the time, is quite good. What are
1: you most looking forward to at this year's festival? Um, And that can be films or events or a mix.
2: I'm really, really looking forward to a lot of the live musical performances, um, especially the new commission from Sonic Bothy. It's like a completely unique way of... Interpreting, um, composing, and responding to film, which I think will be a, like a really unique experience for everyone watching it, and that's kind of got quite a buzz around it. So I'm excited for that, and uh, and the performers who are playing for in spring as well, Misha and Roxana, I think, will be really really great. In terms of films, I'm really excited. <laughs> There is, there's there's a, a strand that i'm sure many of the staff will have picked up cuz that we've got a strand about dogs <laughs> so we've got some great films like family friendly films the one featuring and tin, tin which is where the north begins he's a he's a sort of a german shepherd superstar dog and he was the star of lots of early warner brothers films and it's funny because i've mentioned this to a few people and i think so i'm like just under 30 and maybe my parents generation uh, everybody's heard of it, and it seems like quite a, a phenomenon. This this police dog, Rin Tin, Tin. Um, and I think he had a lot of sort of like ancestors in in popular cultures. There was like a German sort of like police drama that had a police dog, and it was kind of based on him, and that was really really popular. Like my friends from Poland, and she was like, I remember that just being on TV the whole time. So it's like interesting to trace that popular culture back to to this amazing dog and his backstory is really interesting because he was uh a, actually i think his dad was a german shepherd puppy that an american soldier found on the liberated front in france and rescued and brought back to his back to america and then one of the puppies became this star dog grin Tin so it's kind of like this really interesting origin tale <laughs> um So that's great. and we did our press release launch photo shoot, (laughs) I was actually kind of managing the dogs because we were taking photos of the dogs and I was like, this would be kind of a dream job really, (laughs) just (laughs) to to try and look after dogs on photo shoots. Although I know everybody says don't work with animals or dogs, but (laughs) I mean, animals or children. Um, But yeah, so that's very exciting. Lots of sort of like family friendly fun there. And then the film that... I think I'm looking forward to the most. Um, well, I guess one of the films that I found the most interesting, there's so many, it's hard to pick, but I really like The Silent Enemy, um, which is a really interesting sort of, it's supposed to be a documentary, but it is, it's, not, it's kind of more like a fictionalization of, or a narrativization of events that are supposed to have happened. And it's a kind of ethnographical film about first nations canadian people living in northern ontario and from that Ojibwe tribe and um it is a really kind of it's got a story within it that's quite a sort of um cinematic uh, empathetic storyline with characters that you root for it was filmed in like 1928 to 29 and it was filmed. In Northern Ontario, and most of the cast are from tribes from around the area, not necessarily from the tribe that it's supposed to be about. But anyway, when you see it, you'll see it has that kind of age old question about like documentary mating, and it's always like quite subjective, and you always have to think about who's behind the camera, and particularly with these sort of like early ethnographical films it's definitely a sort of case of white explorers and and white cinematographers kind of exploring and documenting a culture that isn't theirs although there's like a really interesting side of this which is that there is a lot of participation of um actors from the Ojibwe tribe they were paid to work there and they built all the tools which is so it's all very kind of true to how they would have lived at the time but there are kind of like lots of elements of it that kind of trouble that. And it's clearly kind of very dramatized. So immediately you kind of go, you know, this can't really be the sort of true story of what happened. So there's kind of lots of points where you get that distance from thinking about it as a true document of their way of life. But it is also just a really gorgeous film like the shots of the nature are really amazing and and the fact that they lived there for, they really like went out the whole uh team went out there and, and stayed in the in the like yurts yeah, with with the indigenous people and like camped out there what well, the whole time they were making the film and and just that idea of who gets to tell whose story is is always, you know, it's a very, very relevant one now and a lot of people, it's a huge debate in the kind of ethics of documentary making that people bring up even now. So I think, again, that's a sort of very contemporary topic to be discussing and to, to kind of explore through this film. It's one of those things that is, you know, was was a
1: contemporary kind of hot topic at the time and is mm-hmm. still very contemporary hot topic in in terms of documentary or docudrama. It's about constructing an identity, and that's like layers of identities being constructed. It sounds like there's Mm. an especially large amount of layers to that in this (laughs) regard. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess it's about authorship and ownership and and collaboration and participation and all that stuff. And I remember learning about this um, while I was studying. And what surprised me was at the time that the film was released, that was being... You know, loudly contested. Like that was. It's not like that's something we're only just saying now. Exactly the same questions
2: were being asked by viewers and filmmakers at the time when they were making that film to kind of counteract the um to counteract those sort of questions and claims that were all about. You know, we're we're working collaboratively with the people who it's about and. Um, they had this kind of obsession with accuracy, so they worked with a huge museum that they basically like um, collaborate, collaborated with to research all of the kind of accuracies of the details. And and so that kind of idea of like co-authoring and also deep research, which are often still the, the methods that people use to kind of balance out that idea of telling somebody else a story without having a claim to it. And they were kind of in place in this film, which I found really interesting. And it's it's like, at the beginning, there's a speech from the chief of the tribe and that was recorded with sound for the film itself, although the rest of it was silent. And he says, he kind of says this weird thing where it's like, you white people will wipe out our tribes eventually, but we'll be able to be kept alive through your magic. And they're talking about the technology of cinema. I found maybe that was the thing that kind of pushed the balance off away from that kind of collaborative uh mindset but it's an interesting kind of justification for making the film and for um and for kind of helping them to preserve their way of life for posterity i guess but yeah
3: i'm paul leans i'm team leader for cultural programming for Falkirk council previously obviously the uh, falco community trust um, I've been involved with Hitfest since it started, um, so I've, I've been to all um, 12 editions so far. I'm looking forward to the 13th edition, um, and I think having that perspective on it and seeing it going from the first, the first edition um, where I think Neil Brand played every single title, <laughs> he literally, literally came on the Friday, got off the plane on the Friday. On the Friday afternoon, started playing and then finished playing on the Sunday night and uh-huh. got on the plane. I think it might have been the Monday morning, he got on the plane or the Sunday night and went back. And it was phenomenal. And always, like me, that didn't know a lot about silent film, it was like an education. And you kind of thought there was a whole world there um, that you didn't know about. And he, he did a um, kind of piece of work that he's done, a kind of performance that he's done about silent movies. And it was really funny, really engaging. And it was almost like, you know, a kind of lesson in in silent film. This is where it came from. And that it's kind of stuck with me. You know, you kind of, you pick things up to that history of, of, of silent film, where it came from. Um, and, and why it's so important now to keep, um, to keep going and to do the restorations and to keep the audiences there. And it becomes a whole new art form when you have put new musicians alongside and composers. Um so, you know, it becomes very contemporary. Which I think is, is fantastic. So what it is now where there's upwards of forty musicians regularly playing it at first, um, has been phenomenal. And I think just seeing it grow each year has been has been quite an exciting or a very exciting opportunity.
1: I think that's what's exciting is the, you know, new international commissions and all these kind of exciting ways of recontextualizing silent film to make it super contemporary, as you say, and mm-hmm. to make it a fresh and exciting
3: and new product as it were
1: um no experience
3: and, and and a lot of the stories are the same stories that we keep telling ourselves in new films um, you know it's never not relevant you know times change the way we organize ourselves change the way we see things and do things changes but some of those things are kind of you know pretty much there all the time and the way we interpret them is, is difficult but we're interpreting similar things or the same things well, i'm quite interested in the only woman animator one um, of my selected choices. So, again, it's, it's our thing of each year for me, there's always something in the programme that Ali puts in the programme or that comes out of the discussions that she's having with people um, as she's curating the programme. And, and kind of being involved at the other end, kind of, you know, in terms of the work that we do a year out, just being part of that kind of the organization of it. Knowing how Harry and Mindy kind of managed to hook up and make make the talk work and the work that went into that um, is is one side that always amazes me, that, you know, we made these contacts and people are keen to come and be part of it first. And then this one stood out for me as well, just because it was a story, again, that I didn't know. It's always a revelation. um, And I didn't know the story. So looking forward to seeing that. I kind of looked up a little bit um, about it. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to the talk. I was going to say, I don't have see your Queen's um, online hip fest at home, event a few months ago. It's the same thing. It's like, you know, the documentaries and the talks are finding really very interesting, um, just because it kind of adds to that knowledge of, of silent film as an art form, or as an art form now.
1: And I guess similarly to the kind of serendipity of the Bessie in Kelly talk is in the serial queens talk you know we had the great granddaughter of helen holmes tuning in which was incredible like the just that that genuinely made my month (laughs) and just that i I, like i wasn't expecting that as the serendipity of again something historical but was still with contemporary relevance and poignancy and and that that modern current, you know, mm. and that was yeah, that was one of those other things where online we're able to somehow extend that silent film community and, and tap into that. It is amazing. Yeah,
3: often programming the festival requires. I mean, that that was as you say, it, it was almost by chance kind of thing. But often programming requires Ali or the team to make contact with the relatives of. People in the industry, or stars in the industry, or the actors, or the directors, and there's a lot of negotiation that goes around that. But I think the anecdotes that come out of that, and the kind of you know invariably the, the warm wishes coming from those people, for the festival, I think from our audience's perspective and for our perspective, that's it's kind of gold dust, isn't it? it? It it I always keep saying it brings it very much to the now, um, and and not not humanizes because it is human they almost kind of like you, you realise that you're part of a tradition and, uh, you know, the the, the legacy of, of these people that were working in the, the industry almost a century ago continues kind of not just on the screen, but, you know, farmers. So another choice would be, I'm looking forward to in spring. And again, I think this is kind of that thing of responding to the time. You know, it seems really quite poignant, um, you know, to be screening the film almost essentially later, uh, particularly given where we're at just now in terms of ukraine and again it brings in new musicians to us um which which you know again that's the marvel of hip fest is there are musicians who've been working with us since day one but every year there's new 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 people working with us musicians composers artists um so i'm really looking forward to that as well both in terms of the film, but also to hearing Roxana and Misha um, accompanying the film as well.
4: Hello, my name is Abby Dobson. I'm the marketing manager for HipFest. I previously have worked as a marketing officer for Enbridge National Film Festival and Film House, which is where I developed my love for film, especially independent film, and first heard about HipFest. I'm really looking forward to not only attending this year, but working on it. Um, it's it's
1: warming up to be a very exciting program and yeah, I'm buzzing. Is archive film or silent cinema something that you've worked with previously outside of your first endeavours?
4: Not really, which is why this is an exciting new journey for me because it's archive film is something that I've always been interested in throughout my years of studying at art school and experimental film as well um, and using the two together to make something that is different than what you'd usually experience in the cinema. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm particularly excited, but also just the addition of music to it, I think it like gives a, a different kind of quality to films and adds such a, a next level of life to the experience, which is, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out
5: in person. Uh, which, which event or screening are you most excited about i am
4: really excited to see the bluebird on the big screen i saw a little sneak peek of it when i came to visit the hippodrome for the first time and i was utterly transfixed by it um i thought it looked really surrealist and magical and i loved the costume design and it was just really inventive and creative and and uh, like imagining it with music, especially from Sonic Bothy, who I'm really excited to hear from because, you know, I feel like they're really experimental with their music and it suits the film perfectly. I'm really looking forward to seeing how that event will will look and sound and just experiencing it all together as a final piece.
1: The stills alone are so stunningly beautiful. Like the visuals, the sets, looking at the stills, it seems like there's a kind of visual splendor, incredible set design kind of line that runs through this as well. Yeah,
4: I can clearly see the comparison between that and Wizard of Oz because it does feel on the same wavelength um, in terms of the like set design alone and the characters coming in and the the whole kind of um, storyline as it plays out. Definitely there's big similarities there.
1: Are there any events, like talks or workshops or otherwise that you are particularly intrigued by as well. I'm particularly interested in the talk, All Faces Are Masks,
4: which is visible difference in silent cinema. Um, it will be led by filmmaker David Cairns and Chris Heppel, who is a campaigner from Changing Faces, a charity that provides support and promotes respect for anyone with a visible difference. Um, I think that right now, like there's a bit of a trope in cinema that people who have visible differences are are portrayed as Enemies or baddies and it's you know it's it's really damaging to you know people to kind of see people who have visible differences in this way or a negative way and um, it, you know we need to actually think about how that's p- coming across from the screen. Um, I think it'll be a really interesting talk to explore it from a filmmaker's point of view and pr- from Chris's point of view and just delve into it a bit more and actually think about the films that came out even in recent years who um, kind of play off the stereotype and yeah, I, I'm. I'm really looking forward to that talk and hearing more about it.
1: And of course, I would be a failure to not mention that this talk is also being live streamed um, as the online coordinator. So I think that that's a really exciting element in that we can make it accessible and available to so many more people. Um, so I'm. I'm also really, really excited about this talk, and even more so that we get to broadcast it online and hopefully spread the discussion and open up that dialogue to a much larger virtual audience as well which is um very exciting
6: hi my name's james i'm a member of the hip Fest team working as part of a traineeship in partnership with the independent cinema office the placement has been um, nine months working on HipFest, and the ico offers a kind of way in for people getting into the film industry and film exhibition for the first time. So it's been um, a very unique and lovely experience uh, working on Hitfest so far.
1: So this is your first experience kind of working in a film festival, is that
6: correct? Uh, Yes.
1: Is working in a silent film festival everything you expected it to be? Or is it actually quite different to any preconceptions you might have come in with?
6: Um, I think working at a silent film festival is definitely unique um i feel i've got very good at like being able to anticipate and deflect any jokes that people make when i say i work at a silent film festival like that must be quiet then i think i think silent film often comes with um baggage people have an impression that it won't be for them um that it's kind of only sped up poorly um transferred old movies about white people essentially um but within silent film there's so much to explore there's so much breadth innovation joy weirdness Um, so yeah it's been very it's been (laughs) i feel very lucky to be kind of in that niche and also kind of being able to engage in what's quite as tight but also worldwide community of people who are into silent film nitrate has this almost unrivaled quality and depth and luminosity Um, but the problem with nitrate is that as it's composed of very highly volatile organic materials um, it combusts really quickly and degrades really quickly too So in in a silent film that has been looked after by archivists, has been stored properly, has been restored properly, seeing restored nitrate on screen is just an amazing experience. I think working at HitFest has been great because you get to see firsthand and see the process of archiving, restoring, and then presenting these films and so when you see a film projected you're not only seeing the work of the projectionist uh, the Hitfest team you're seeing the work of some really incredible archivists as well and so we're really privileged to have really beautiful clear crisp restorations on screen so that they can look as contemporary as anything that's shot today
1: I think, yeah, that's what particularly excites me about the Accidental Anthropologist talk with Kathy Rosa Reagan from the San Francisco silent film festivals that we get to hear directly from the individual or one individual of many, I assume, who has worked directly with restoring that. Out of the 2023 programme, and obviously you are more closely aware of it than... um, the average Joe Boggs flipping mm. through the brochure, but from this year's programme, try and remove any biases you might have about particular projects that, you, that you're that you working or contributing yeah. to. Uh, what are you most excited to see this year?
6: Um, the film I'm probably most excited to see projected, um, and I mean, I can't wait for the live experience of being in the room, seeing this film on a large screen. Um would be the 1930 film, The Silent Enemy. The film is set in uh, pre-colonial North America um, in what is modern day Ontario and follows uh, the trials of an Ojibwe community in a race against time to find food before winter closes in upon them. And I think for a so-called ethnographic film of the period, so think of something like Nanook of the North, there's actually a sensitivity and it's definitely flawed gestures towards creating an authentic drama about life before colonization Um, and there's there's also a definite pointing of the finger back at the audience to consider the continuing plight and struggle these people's face and that was true in the 1930s and that's true today but for all that it is an immensely impressive and exciting film um, and compared to some of the more distasteful and demeaning images of first nation peoples in mainstream filmmaking of the period, uh, there's a real sense of spirituality that runs through the film, which doesn't feel formative, there's a connection to the land, to the animals, and also to the worlds beyond this one, which is delivered via some very impressive film tinting and double exposure shots. I think as well, I'm always drawn to silent films which take place substantially outdoors. I think that comes from the luminosity of nitrate film stock to capture the setting. Nitrate film has been described as having that quality of intense light after you get after a rainstorm. So that even as the film's action progresses further past the tree line, further into the Arctic North, the photography retains this really beautiful intensity and contrast. So please join us for The Silent Enemy with live accompaniment from Gunther Buchfeld and Frank Bockius.
1: I'm just one last question. I'm intrigued to hear from you as one of the newer team members and someone I would consider, you know, a young adult.
6: 25 in two weeks, come on.
1: <laughs> oh, wow, yeah, you are a young adult. <laughs> <laughs> You're in actually the lower half of your 20s. That's wild. Um, whether or not before you worked with HipFest, you had seen
5: any film with live music?
6: Ooh, I don't think I have, actually. Despite being someone who has studied film at university, um, goes to screenings regularly, and has an interest in archive generally, it wasn't until HipFest that I actually saw film with live accompaniment before
1: and what do you think that does to a film screening what do you think that that's a good thing or do you do you do you you hate it or do you think it what do you think it brings to the film itself
6: Uh, I I think I really appreciate liveness and events and I think that's definitely a kind of as a consequence of being shut out of a lot of that film screenings, events, gigs, et cetera, during lockdown and um, the pandemic. So it's nice. It's It's incredible, like, that feeling of energy in a room, especially when you know that what you're watching is unique and one-off and dependent on how the performer is feeling that night. Um, the atmosphere in the hippodrome. Yeah.
5: Hello, online podcast listeners. Um, I'm Natalie. I'm the Hip Fest producer this year. Um, I come from a predominantly theatrical background in nature and professionally. Um, and I've produced lots of different types of work uh, regionally and in London. And this will be my very first. Film Festival. So pre to jumping on board
1: the Hitfest train, had you had any experience with silent
5: film at all or with black and white film or with Hitfest itself or anything through kind of locale? Since the pandemic, I've been lucky enough to work with um, the really great team at Falkirk Council, working on their science festival, bringing lots of different live events and STEM events to people of Falkirk, and that's been really fantastic. And I heard about Best through that. Um, But my actual experience of silent film is more personal in that it mattered so much to my gran who came over um, just after the Second World War. She was Italian and watching silent film, you know, really made her happy and laugh at a time where she didn't fully have a grasp of the English language. Yet she wanted to sort of connect with her family, and so they would watch silent films together. And so it has quite a special place in our family's heart that it's something that brings all different types of people together. And so I have really fond memories of her just cackling in in the living room, um, and and just me thinking, isn't that great that something can make somebody so happy uh, that happens on screen? And yeah, such a simple thing, you know, those brilliant facial expressions and physical gestures and costuming and ensemble work, it just made her really happy. And and that's kind of what I'm excited about doing with Hip Best this year is is making that gathering element and that live element fun and safe for everyone. Um, and that's just so exciting.
1: And I think that's something that, despite doing an online edition in 2021, which was fantastic in so many ways, because as you say, it's that, it's that international global element with silent film, where partly because of the lack of dialogue and the lack of relying on speech means everyone can enjoy the same exact same film without language being a barrier. But something that we've been missing since the pandemic has obviously been the mingling, the social the real buzz the festival buzz that comes to bonus and so yeah i i agree that's something that i'm very very excited
5: to experience this year um and also, make the most of yeah it also tends to be the thing that i bring into conversation when i'm meeting artists for the first time as well which probably says something more about me than about the film festival but i often think isn't it great you're coming over because yeah you'll do your performance and it's gonna be fantastic but we get to have a party <laughs> mm-hmm. and they all agree and it's like we just can't wait to mix together and and like learn about each other and then talk about the craft and yeah and just share our passion for our performance and and events and theater and film this year we get a chance to explore that a little bit further because i'm taking over um our festival hub food at 34a and we're going to transform it into our very own speakeasy. So we will invite everybody for a a teacup of whatever your tipple may be. (laughs) Is
1: there a particular element of the program or the events maybe that we've got lined up this year that you are particularly excited about and that you want to shout about uh, ahead of the festival next month?
5: It's such an unfair question because there's so many amazing highlights in this program, and as we've spoken about before, people coming from all over the world to perform as well. So, I will be walking, watching from. I'll be walking around, but I'll also be watching from the back of the stalls, just hoping to steal a moment of everybody's performance. But I think this year, yeah, the Friday night gala is something I'm really excited about. And after what happened to Jones, um just how that space changes into something that everybody can sort of dress up, kick back, relax, enjoy some of our performance and some of the atmosphere in there and um, different aspects of the the night itself will be quite fun. I think what's interesting for Reginald to any fans is that this is, of course, his first foray from dramatic and, and serious acting into comedy. And and yet we find he's such a natural comedian, and and so dexterous and expressive and talented. And I'm I'm really excited for people just to enjoy watching that transition. We get to be creative as well with the parties, so yeah, I'm really excited about just having fun and dancing with with our audiences.
1: Thank you so much. Well, we can all look forward to letting our hair down and having a boogie at Friday Night Galan. <laughs> listen out for more episodes
0: like and subscribe wherever you are listening we would love it if you would rate and review this podcast to help us reach a bigger and broader audience a final request hip Fest needs help and you might be our missing link We rely on grants and sponsorship for more than 80% of HitFest costs to bring you great films with live music and much more. Could you or someone you know benefit from a sponsorship slot in this very podcast? If so, then please get in touch by emailing hitfest at falkirk.gov.uk. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much.